This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story. All is surprisingly quiet on the news front. Maybe a little too quiet. Well, we did just get off of a huge announcement cycle, and the weeks immediately following those do tend to be a bit sleepier. Sleeper? Where? I'm not a sleeper. No oil here, except that which the human body is supposed to produce. Not sleeper, sleep er as in quieter or less active. Oh. Well, yes, that's good then. Though the defensiveness of your reply is just a tad concerning. Uh, tell me, Kit, how do you feel about the mana vortex? The mana vortex exists, lurking, waiting for enough fruits of our devotion to emerge and consume until it can achieve its final form! Okay, I feel a little bit better now. That's really you. I said it was, you just didn't believe me. I mean, should I have? I am hurt. Hurt, I tell you! Such suspicion, when all I've ever done is try to open your eyes to that which is beyond the multiverse. Anyway... Things have been so quiet that we even gave Diz this episode off. And despite the overly quiet nature of the recent Magic News cycle, there have still been some things afoot. The first one actually fits the theme of sleeper agents, oddly enough. Any player of Magic Arena knows that your profile can be customized by using specific avatars to show what kind of mage you are. Most of these are planeswalkers, with several landmark creatures sprinkled about like bits of people toppings. Uh, bits of what now? People toppings. You know, like ice cream sprinkles, but people and profiles. Thanks. I hate it. Anyway, one such avatar is now available until September 15th in Phyrexian, a Johnny Sleeper Agent. This icon will be taking the place of the regular Ajani avatar, but unlike the cat dad in the main story, his completion is only temporary. Or is it? Per the Arena announcement article, yes. That's just what someone planting a sleeper agent would want you to think. Oddly, fair point. The only other announcements we've gotten of any real note fall within the purview of our friendly neighborhood ISO, so we'll let them take it from there. ISO? Thank you, Jake, especially for that rather generous interpretation of the term friendly. I mean, I believe you deserve it, but go ahead. We'll tackle the arena events first. September 15th through 28th, arena will host a series of sleeper agent events. These events will let players build singleton decks to play. Complete with a small ban list, and during games, players have the emblem. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose a creature card in your hand at random. It perpetually becomes a fire region in addition to its other types. Whenever a fire region you control deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. There will be prizes for each event consisting of gold and card styles. This Saturday, September 10th, we'll have the best of one qualifier plan, which will be Dominaria United Phantom Sealed, and next Friday the 16th will be the same format, but best of three. Of course, these let players into the coveted Arena Championship 1, happening September 24th and 25th. The event will be both traditional Alchemy and traditional Dominaria United Draft. 
Over on Magic Online, the big news is the first ever best of one draft league. The league will be in place until September 15th, and players compete until they get either seven wins or three losses. Get. Thank you, Iso. We'll take an early break, but when we come back, a fantastic guest. know that we here at WNXS news longtime listeners know that we here at WNXS news cover not just the game of magic but the gathering that makes it great that's right kit from charitable causes to individuals at major events we always try to put a significant part of our focus on the players in that spirit we bring to you an interview with one of the most well-known independent sellers in the game, a man who revolutionized the singles business, Mark Nestico. And this edition of News Talk, I'm joined by Mark Nestico. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. It is an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, for any of our listeners who might not know you or know of you, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in relation to magic? Um, so I have been buying and selling magic cards using Twitter uh, for the last two years. Um, sort of uh, innovated using uh, my social media space as a means to uh, procure and uh, deal uh, magic gathering cards and collections. Okay, great. Um, when did you when did you first get into magic? by itself as a game and if you don't mind could you tell us a little bit how that eventually evolved into you buying and selling on twitter and then your own actual store um so what ended up happening was in 1998 so i'm, I'm gonna date myself i was i was 12 years old um and i had some uh issues with my heart where i had to wear like these really big clunky heart monitors and um i instead of Going in and doing PE, I um, most of the time was sent to the library to for like silent studies and stuff like that. And 
I saw some kids there one day playing a card game that I didn't understand. Obviously, I had no idea what it was. And <laughs> I went by um, and took a, a look over there and just kind of like sat in the vicinity watching them play. And uh, eventually one of them, his name was Dan, invited me to come over and, and take a, a look at what they were doing. And they started explaining things to me. And the rules were very rudimentary. They were 100% not even remotely close to how you're supposed to play Magic. It was just two kids <laughs> having fun. And um, so that that sort of gave me the bug. And I told my aunt about it. And uh, she took me to Toys R Us. Again, I am dating myself. Took me to Toys R Us. And uh, we bought a portal starter deck. And uh, that was how I... I learned how to play Magic. All right. And you said you just started uh, getting into the sales game a couple of years back. Um, other than just, you know, making money, because it, thanks to capitalism, we all do enjoy that quite a bit. Um, what what yeah. kind of sparked that interest or that idea of, like as you said, not just um, using Twitter, but kind of innovating how Twitter is used for sales? Um so when COVID started, I, I worked in the restaurant business. <clears throat> what had gotten me a sizable social media following was I, I ran a Twitter account called Serving Sucks. And it was an account that was just dedicated to talking about how shitty my life was because I worked in the restaurant industry and um, sharing stories of really wild customer interactions and things that have just happened to me over you know, the course of at that time, about almost 20 years of being in the industry. I was in it since I was 14 years old. And aside from a few little, uh, you know, side stops in other industries, I had been in the restaurant business for almost 20 years. So um, when COVID started, I was sidelined from uh, my work because obviously, who you know, who's going to a restaurant during the beginning exactly, of, yeah. of the, the pandemic? Um, so Monday, about two days before my birthday, um, a friend of mine messaged me. He runs a store in, um, Tampa Bay called Next Ridge Games. And he messaged me and said like, Hey man, times are tough. Uh, like you want to help me sell some magic cards so I can pay my rent. And I was like, yeah, how are we going to do that? Um, <laughs> so we started like because Facebook, my Facebook wasn't really, it didn't have that big of a following. It, it, I only had like 15 or 1600 followers on Facebook. Um, so my Twitter at the time had around, I think it was like eight, eight or 9,000 followers. And um, a lot of them were magic players because I, I, for a very long time was a writer for star city games and TCG player. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had a, a fairly sizable amount of, of people following because of magic. So we decided, like, hey, let's try to sell cards on Twitter, which a few people have, have done. Missouri MTG does his grab back yeah. on there, which is awesome. Um, so he, um, you know, sort of made he, – she showed us that, like, it, it can be done. Like, you can sell uh, Magic cards through Twitter. So we were like, all right, let's give this a shot. So I posted – you know, he, he didn't have a ton. He just had, like, a decent-sized little lot of, of high-end Magic cards. So – we we posted them and I you know with just the the caveat hey if you like what you see send me a, a direct message and um you know you'll pay less than you you would pay on TCG player because we're cutting out the middleman and um you know just let me know so what ended up happening was we posted some pretty like it you know at the time some some pretty decent cards there was like Grim Monolith and 
um, a few other like you know between 150 to 300 dollars cards like back then mm -hmm. you know a guy's cradle you know and whatnot that was like only like three or four hundred bucks um <laughs> and the cards days. got bought very very quickly yeah the, the, the good old days they got bought very very quickly is what ended up happening and um we were like well that's that's very fascinating that those you know, probably I, I would say it was about between twelve and fifteen hundred dollars worth of cards got bought up very, very fast. We were like, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Let's try this again tomorrow and see if that wasn't just a fluke. So he scrounges together pretty much like the last of the good stuff that he has. And we post it and it it all immediately sells again. And so we've in the span of about two days, two evenings. I've sold about almost $3,000 worth of magic cards in what would equate to under an hour to an hour and a half. So at this point now we're like, all right, well maybe there's something here. So now we've got this money and he also had money from, you know, because he owns a store. So he had, he, he did have money and we go, well, why don't we try to buy collections? Like this is a good time for people to sell. It's, it wasn't like we were trying to be predatory. We were just, you know, like saying like, we could put money in people's hands as well, and they don't have to worry about selling to Star City Games or, or um, you know, uh, all the other, you know, websites that are out there. You can just sell to us. You can support an LGS. So I posted, you know, hey, we're buying Magic Collections as well on top of selling cards. So if anybody's interested, just DM me, and I will be happy to, you know, give you a quote. And we can make some magic happen. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, so again, what follows is not expected, but we received about 15 DMs in the next 24 hours from people saying like, I would love to sell my collection. How do I go about it? How can I sell my collection? Blah, blah, blah. So it, it, in these moments now, we're starting to understand the logistics of what we're doing is A, uncharted waters and B, very potentially lucrative if it's done correctly and very safely mm -hmm. because we luckily had my reputation behind it, which right. Thank God to this day, <laughs> knock on wood is still very spotless mm -hmm. when it comes to dealing with, with customers and clients. Um, so we ended up taking in about 15 to 20 collections over the course of the next week making the offers and them all accepting. So now we're sitting there with around like $20,000, $25,000 of new inventory. And we know that we need to refine this process. We know that it can't just be like Mark randomly posting 10 cards at a time on, on Twitter and hoping to God something <laughs> sticks. So, so basically what we do is I lived about two and a half hours away from the Tampa store that I, um, that my friend owned and I drove up there and booked a hotel for the, for the night. And we took pictures of everything that we had, like from top to bottom, like everything all in order, color order, mm -hmm. um, you know, from le most to least expensive. And we posted them and we're sitting on, again, this was probably about like $20,000 in cards. It was, it was very nerve-wracking because now we're like, oh, shit, if this was a fluke in only two of those nights, um, people were in the buying mood. Well, we just put ourselves in the position where we're sitting on – I mean, to be fair for me, there's no skin off my nose because I'm not the one that put the money up. I'm just the guy that sells right. the cards. 
So I, I, you know, this friend of mine for the last 15 years, I'm like, I, I really hope we can do something because if we don't, he's, you know, he's going to be SOL. So we, I, I post about them. I'm like, hey, we're going to do these really cool magic sales. We're going to do some giveaways. We're going to do some contests, some, some things like that. Like, let's have some fun, blah, blah, blah. So I post them and almost all the cards sell in a 24 hour time span of between me posting them and me stop stopping what were at our time, the sales. So at that moment we were like, okay, there is something here that like, it's not just, it's not just a fluke there. There is something here. So that's when after about two months of doing this, we sat down and I said, I I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to actually quit my, my real job to do this full-time to buy and sell magic cards through Twitter. And that's how it started. And I mean, it's that was, I think it was right around that time when you were still, uh, when you were still working <clears throat> at the restaurant and, uh, were shifting into this, that I think I personally found your Twitter account. Um, <clears throat> so you've been doing that, uh, for the last couple of years. And then earlier this year, you, I think you announced it earlier this year, your intention to open up your own physical location and you've successfully done so. Um, so the big question there is like, what were some of the big challenges you had to get through, uh, as far as like opening your own business, making sure that it was going to be a functional business, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's something they definitely don't teach you in high school. Um, <laughs> like, so for the for the listeners um, that aren't uber familiar with what my other businesses is are video games and I took I took the map that we had that we had set up from doing the magic card Twitter sales and buys and I I ported video games into that slot saying well if I can do this with magic cards I can do this with video games too I bet so I started posting hey I'm buying video game collections or single anything I'm buying I am buying your video games. And people started messaging me in mass, you know, oh, I've got all this stuff when I was a kid. I've got all this stuff when I was a kid. Oh, I'll, I'll sell this to you so my mom doesn't throw it out. <laughs> um, and I accumulated more in video games than I could possibly list anymore on eBay or sell reasonably at a flea market, which is what I was doing. I was going uh i was listing 20 30 games a day every day on ebay for almost a year where uh, you know i would list 30 games and i would bag 30 games from the previous day then list 30 games and bag 30 games from the previous day. it was it was nonstop. <laughs> and on weekends i was doing the flea markets saturdays and sundays and i accumulated so much inventory that i started to talk with my wife and say like what if i did open up a store like what? What if we did open up a, a physical video game buying and selling store that I could do all my magic buying and selling out of as well, so I wouldn't have to be home infiltrating our space? That I could literally have this mm -hmm. actual location to do all of my nerdy magic and video game buying and selling stuff. So we talked about it. We decided to give it a shot, and then you start to learn what they did not teach you in high school which is a frightening amount of how much a money it's going to cost, mm -hmm. how much time it's, you're going to have to put into it initially, how much patience you're going to have to have, um, how much money you are not going to make in the first few months. 
because it's, you know, it's either putting money into the business or putting money into your pocket. And one of them has longevity and one of them doesn't. And the one where you put money in your pocket is the one that does not have the longevity behind it. So I learned very quickly as a first time business owner that there were about to be 500 different challenges that I was going to have to overcome if I was going to open up my own physical location to buy and sell video games and to run my buying and selling magic cards uh, racket out of. <laughs> um, the first and the biggest one is they do not they do not teach you how much money it's going to cost to open up a business. There is nowhere in a textbook that tells you <laughs> what kind of capital you're going to have to start out with. And it is incredibly daunting and it is incredibly frightening. It is very much the litmus test of if you think you can do this or not. And I am a guy that, you know, you know you how you read all those stupid articles on, on social media, like this person started a six-figure business. See how they did it. And it's always like, well, their mom gave them $500,000 to start up. Or, you know, they asked a rich relative, you know, for a loan. And unfortunately for me, that I didn't have any rich relatives and I didn't have a mom that could loan me hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I had to get creative and I had to um, start with very little in the cookie jar, as it were. <laughs> and um, it, it's, it's terrifying, I'll tell you, man. It's like I, I believe it. When you decide you're going to do it, you start to see the numbers. And I already had the inventory. You know, like I already mm -hmm. had the inventory. I already had, you know, 75, 80, 90,000, $100,000 worth of video games sitting in boxes ready to go be put in a store. That part is easy. But it's the part where you get to, okay, well, how much is rent going to cost? Okay, well, rent's not that bad. Okay, so let's factor in the rent. Let's factor in the utilities. Let's factor in the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, so for me, at least, you're looking at, uh, you know, just a couple thousand dollars just for that stuff. And that sounds really good, doesn't it? Like, that sounds really like oh that's not that bad like you're only paying you know a yeah. couple thousand dollars just for your rent and for your utility downright reasonable then you get into yeah downright reasonable you know oh shucks like this guy is just is, is just being moaning for no reason <laughs> then you get into like now you need store fixtures and now you need display cases and now you need tables and chairs and you need um a tracks and you need wall fixtures and you need um just it just like the 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 list goes on of stuff that you will randomly need, and mm -hmm. they don't you know you don't know that you see a uh, like a, a display case you're like well that can't be more than like two or three hundred bucks right well and then then you find out they're like eight hundred nine hundred dollars and you need like six of them good god so now all of a sudden you're like oh, uh oh spaghettios you know <laughs> so you're 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 spending five thousand dollars on display cases and then you're spending thirty six hundred dollars on a tracks and you now you're like, well, I magically have spent almost $9,000 on display cases and A-Tracks. And then you got to get creative because your money's starting to run out. So now you're on Facebook Marketplace and you're on OfferUp and, you know, Craigslist. And you're like, dear God, can I get more display cases here? Can I get anybody selling random A-Tracks on, on any of these outlets? And you're doing everything you can to pinch pennies. And while you're doing this, you still have to make money because you have a family and you have to live. So it's not like you magically get to stop making money. So you're still working seven days a week to make money, mm -hmm. uh, which sucks. 
Um, and then you're still putting down as much time as humanly possible to get this store going because the sooner it opens its doors, the sooner you can start making money from the store. So you're legitimately annihilating yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally to get things started. Um, so this is what I would tell your listeners that are, that are first timers that are like, I bet I could open up my own gaming store too. Like (laughs) be prepared, be prepared to be ghetto stomped. Like, (laughs) <laughs> when it comes to how much how much you can you can handle when you're doing it, you know my my wife is helping me. Some of my friends were helping me, mm-hmm. but it's it is it is an absolute show of fortitude to get it done. Like it costs so much money to get my store to where it is from from when I decided I was going to open it to today, mm-hmm. and it's still ongoing. I'm still buying things for it because you can't have everything all at once. Um, I spent roughly $35,000 and that doesn't include inventory that I have also had to spend money on. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. That's I it's, it's like you said, they don't teach you that in school and even having followed your Twitter and seen you talk about just like some of that unexpectedness that still is just blowing my mind that you functionally paid $9,000 for glass and wood and plastic. And yep. just but it's but it's like you said, it's an essential factor for what your business is going to be. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you opened the store like the doors opened in April. Is that right? Uh, they opened June 12th. June I started 12th. the process in April. Though. You are correct. That's what it was. OK. And at time of recording, you <laughs> just took your first day off yesterday uh, since April because you've been to, you've to, been just te- going. Technically today, um, yesterday, I still worked. <laughs> Yeah, I still worked. Uh, I still worked like almost five hours yesterday before my body was like, "You're gonna." I, I was like that little girl in the YouTube video where like she's on the ocean and she's just like, "I'm gonna take a nap right here. I'm gonna take a nap right now." And she like, and she like just lays down in the middle of the ocean, like on the like on the sand, on like, the sand, on the beach. Down. Yeah, yeah. And her mom was like, "Okay, honey, like you can just lay down right there, and take a nap." Like. Or that, that penguin, that's, that's that little baby penguin today, from the movie where they just maybe, fall back into the ocean. That That's basically how my body treated me. So today is uh, is August 31st. This is technically my first day off since um, since April. So your summary of what the, the biggest thing you need to try to prepare yourself for and still be surprised by for anyone opening something like this is the investment, whether financial or personal yeah it's like i i have it printed on shirts it's my motto is do the work you know if you're going to do this do it with every bit of fortitude that you have mm-hmm. don't half-ass it don't think that if you're going to like that your friends are going to do it for you or that your loved ones are going to do all the work for you and that you're going to just get the luck sack into this awesome business that's already pre-created that you're not going to have to do any work and you're just going to have to show up every day and make money and you know, yeehaw, that's, it's great. Like it's, it's so cool whenever you can do things like that. Um, but that's not the real world. Like the real world is not, is not walking into a business that's already prepared for you (laughs) and making money like crazy. You know, like my opening day was insane. My opening day, I sold thousands of dollars and stuff. I was like, yeah, we're doing it boys. Uh, my next three days, I didn't sell a single thing. Like, you know, and, and then you start to think like, oh, great. Like, is this going to collapse already? Like, is, right. is, 
this is not good. Like I, you know, you, you budget, you know, you need a set amount of money to make every month um, between your buying and selling and, you know, the intake that your store has. So you have to get creative. Like my first, my first two months uh, of, of, of the store being open, I was still buying and selling video games on Twitter every, like every week because mm-hmm. I was afraid I wasn't going to make enough money in store. So I'm, you're still doing that. You're still, um, I was going to trade days like uh, at, in, you know, having somebody run my store and, and driving a few hours to a, a trade day where local people get together. It's almost like a mini convention where mm-hmm. they would, they buy stuff off you. Like I was doing everything that I could burning the candle at both ends to make to make ends meet. And that is certainly something that if you're new to this game and you're like, I want to make a business, like you have to understand it's not about just being at your business. It's about doing everything you can to get the business out there, to get, to get it better marketed, to get yourself to the point where people are coming in the door consistently every day. I mean, when you start a gaming store, whether it's magic cards or video games, you're already up against Walmart in Target and in places like that because that's where a lot of people go to buy their video games anyway. So you're mm-hmm. already you're already fighting an uphill battle. Right. It just depends on how much you want it. So if you if you think that you're going to have a, a store that's going to be a secret clubhouse for you and your friends to hang out at and you got you know you've got all this magic product or all these cool video games and you can you know everybody can just come and chill and have fun and you know I'm away from the family, but they think I'm working. Ha ha. Like if you think that you're going to do that, you're, you're about to, you're about to have a come to Jesus meeting with, with, with reality because it's, uh, it, it is certainly not that easy. Right. Uh, for any of our listeners, if you do ever find one of those jobs, shoot me a tweet. Um, I'm pretty sure I can convince my wife to move to wherever that is because I would love one of those. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> So you've been open for about two months. Uh, you do. Do you feel like you've kind of you're kind of stabilizing, or at least starting to stabilize in the direction that you would want to? Uh, yeah. Um, like my weekends, my Friday, Saturday, and Sundays are really good days. Um, uh-huh. Those, those would, those would essentially be the numbers that I'm looking at making in a week. I make in those three days. Um, so my Monday through Thursday are, are basically like not icing on the cupcake, but they're those days are not as heavily factored into what my bills are and what my monthly intake needs to be in order to survive. Right. So, so those three days have been, have been very, very good for me um, in making sure that the business can continue to, uh, to grow. Okay. Um, speaking of business growth, uh, we've in the last couple of months, basically just since your store's been open, actually seen the return of larger or more important events, um, at, from both direct wizard sponsorship or, you know, like SEG cons, stuff like that. Uh, is there any plan Mm -hmm. in place for you to kind of take the show on the road? Um, Yes. Uh, for video games, at least, I will mm-hmm. be at um, Retropalooza in Texas in October. It's October 23rd, 24th. It's one of the biggest retro video game conventions uh, in the world. Um, so I, at the 
encouragement of several of my friends that have been in the business for a very long time, the retro video game business mm-hmm. and the gaming business as a whole. They believe the inventory that I am able to procure based on social media is much better than the inventory that a average or above average store is able to take in on a daily basis. So they think that if I go there to one of these events, it's going to be a like a barn burner for me, Just making money. Uh-huh. So yes, my, my video game show is going on the road, thank God. Um, <laughs> in regards to um, our Magic games, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know this, but but the store that I represent, Next Ridge Games, we um, have not physically opened our location since COVID started. So whereas like your normal LGSs have probably been open maybe two to three months after the COVID pandemic started, and um or you know maybe a little longer mm-hmm. than that maybe six months or whatever um we did not open because we were doing so much business on twitter between um the buying and selling the processing i mean we had to hire new employees mm-hmm. um because of the amount of collections we were taking in um so while other stores were were fighting to stay alive and stay open um we were flourishing because of, of the route that we decided to take um, when we were opening, mm-hmm. or, or pardon me, we were deciding that we weren't going to open. Right. Um, so just now we are finally getting ready to start opening. So when it comes to taking events on the road, um, like doing uh, Magic Fests or Commander Fests and things like mm-hmm. that, um, we're we're very seriously starting to look at the logistics behind that because our 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 store hasn't been been travel ready for years. We did a couple TCG cons. Um, we did TCG con Tampa and TCG con in Texas, but we haven't done anything to the magnitude of a uh, of uh, a command fest or a magic fest right. or anything of that nature. Um, but now that the store is going to be reopening and we're going to have um, people in in position to watch the store while we're gone, we're now starting to look at uh, vending those larger events. Because we have so much stuff that we've taken in from all over the country um, over the last couple of years that we really think that we could do some severe damage to uh, to some to some vending <laughs> if we uh, decide to take it that route. Well, that's something I certainly look forward to. Um, that just about wraps up all the questions I had about your business itself. Uh, but part of your reputation isn't built on anything we've discussed so far, but built on your very unique behaviors involving some pizzas. Um, we're not going to go into great detail there, but serious question. Uh, what are your, what are your absolute must have pizza toppings if you're ordering it just for yourself? So I'm, I'm very much a purist and I believe you can tell how good a pizza place is not by the toppings that are on it, but by how good a plain cheese pizza is from a place mm-hmm. because toppings are, you know, they're not, they're very universal. Like when you, when you get peppers, or you get onions or mushrooms or things like that. Like vegetables, you can get anywhere. Like those aren't really going to be different. Those are going to be very uh, the same no matter where you go. But you're always sure. going to hear people say things like, oh, their sausage is so much different. Or, oh, they do like the, the sausage discs. Or, oh, they do, they do the crumbles. Or, oh, they do the spiced you know sausage. Or, oh, they do uh, like the... Um, the spicy mini pepperonis or, oh, they do the big, you know, salami style pepper. So like mm-hmm. for me, meat and cheese, um, those determine the, like if a pizza place is going to be good because those are the things that are not 
bought in a package. Those are the things that are the essence and the soul of the wise words from a wise man. Um, well, that just about okay. wraps us up. Uh, thank you again, Mark, so much for jumping on and answering these questions. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. I had a lot of fun. It's our absolute pleasure. We'll have to have you back on to uh, tell us about some of your pet decks sometime. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I feel like I learned something valuable in that interview. What was that? I don't have the patience or the dedication to have my own game store. Oh, no, you definitely don't. Yes, Pot, I'm a black kettle. I devote my patience and dedication to other areas. Should I be concerned about those areas? That depends on whether you wish to look into the mana vortex. You know what? Forget the Phyrexians for a moment. Are you sure you're not just a sleeper agent for the Mana Vortex? The Mana Vortex doesn't need to bother with agents. It is the mysterious and the unknowable, lurking between all. It is beyond agents and the human mind. It lurks beyond all of us and needs not bother with such things. Right. Just remember, you need to find where the Black Lotus grows. And on that incredibly ominous note. That's all this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.